We're ending a 12-week journey uh, through the book of Ecclesiastes. And when we come to the end of the book, it's kind of like somebody coming to the end of their life and saying, okay, these are the things that are important. And so we believe that Ecclesiastes is the last book that Solomon wrote. And accordingly, what Solomon does is he sets... I can't preach with that going on. I know everybody's looking this way now. It's like, it's like yeah, I've got a granddaughter who's just enthralled right now. Uh, but anyway, what's, now everybody's going to look that way. Okay, look that way, see it, and then come back to me, please. Wow. But uh, we have a great relationship already, uh, the little girl and I do. So anyway, but uh, as we come to... Huh? Oh, oh, no, yeah, right. Yeah, that would be... No, because she grabs, my, she grabs my lip, and we have this whole thing that we do, and it's just not going to work while I preach. Uh, but uh, anyway, so uh, back to Ecclesiastes, all right? So Solomon's going to wrap it all up. <laughs> Solomon is going to wrap it all up, and he's going to say, okay, here is what is important, all right? And so uh, this is going to be somewhat fun this morning, because some of you are going to relate just way, way, way too well to this. So... Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it's on the screen, here we go. Uh, Solomon talks and he says, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, Life is not pleasant anymore. So the first thing he does is Solomon addresses young people. So teenagers, people who are in your late teens and early 20s, he's basically directing this thing at you. And here's what he says. He says, look, you don't realize right now how good you got it. Because as you get older, life is going to get more difficult. And as you age, you're going to get to a point where you go, life's just not as much fun as it used to be. Because you're at a point right now where, for the most part, there's somebody probably helping you, subsidizing your life in some way. They may be giving you a place to live or taking care of car payment or a college payment or helping you out. But Solomon says, look, Ultimately, life isn't like that, and you're going to start getting caught up in the reality of and the pressures of life. So Solomon says, look, here's something that's important. Right now, while you can, focus on God, because it is going to be a very important foundation for you. He's going to talk about it in a minute, and he's going to go back into it. But now he's going to tell you where you are headed, and he's going to describe the aging process. And here's what he says. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim in your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. He said, one of the things that's in front of you, kids, is the idea you're not going to have the memory you used to have. And it's going to be harder for you to remember stuff because it's going to get dark and cloudy. And many of you have looked at this past week and gone, I want to see the sun, I want to see the sun. As you get older, that's the way you go with your memory. I want my memory back, I want my memory back. Because it goes away. And Solomon says, that's where we're all headed. And then he goes on. And he said, remember him before your legs, the guard of your house, start to tremble. He said, look, what's going to happen is you're going to get to the point that your knees and your hips are going to start to give out. And Solomon says, that's what's ahead for you, kids. All of a sudden, it, you're not going to be able to run like you used to run or climb like you used to climb or do the things that you used to do. Um, he calls him the guard of your house. He goes, notice what he goes on to say. He said, um, 
and, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Before you know it, you're going to have back problems. And you're going to start doing this. And you're going to, and, and you're going to find your kids start saying stuff like, like okay, straighten up. Okay, you're, you're, you're hunched again. Uh, the things that you used to tell them when they were little. And Solomon says, that, that, that's what, and then he goes on. And he said, uh, remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. He says, there's coming a time that your teeth are going to not be in the shape that they are now, and you're going to start doing dentures, and you're going to start doing, um, what do they call that when you, you only do a few of them? Huh? Yeah, partials. And you're going to, he said, he said, that's coming. He said, you get to me, they just don't work like they used to work. And now you start chewing softer food. Uh, and then he goes on and he said, uh, and before your eyes, the women looking through the window see dimly. He said, all of a sudden, things that you used to see clearly, you're going to have a harder time seeing. You're not going to want to drive at night anymore because your eyes just aren't as sharp. Or you have to get glasses because now all of a sudden, you don't know what that is in the distance. And you're not sure if it's a red light or a green light, but you do know that the light's brighter at the top. So you're thinking, okay, that probably means stop. Uh, you get your, your eyes start to go. And he keeps going. Listen to what else he says. Uh, the next verse. Uh, let's see. Got it, guys? Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. He said, here's what's going to happen. You don't realize it right now, but in your 20s, if you've prepared yourself well for, in, in, in life, you have all of these opportunities in front of you. And you can go this direction, and if that job doesn't work out, you can jump to this job, and then you can jump to that job. You, you have all of these opportunities. But as you get older, no, 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 no. Now you become overqualified. Now you become, oh, no, we don't know if we can hire you because your health costs are going to be higher than, than, than if we hire a young person. Or here's the thing. We, it's going to cost more to employ you because, because we have to pay you more because of your experience, and we can go hire two people for that. Uh, teachers run into this a lot, where, you know, all of a sudden now it's like, whoa, now we have... So, so he said, look, your opportunities right now are great, but there's coming a day the doors are going to start closing for you. It's going to be harder for you to go get a job. And he goes on, and he said, I love this. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds grow faint. You can't sleep as well in the morning. So what happens is you hear some little bird outside, and you're wide awake, and you can't go back to sleep. But then the rest of the day, you can't hear diddly. So when your wife asks you something, you don't even hear her, but yet in the morning, you hear one little bird and you're wide awake. He said, because your hearing isn't what it used to be. This is where we're all headed, by the way. And he goes on and he says, remember him before he come fearful of falling and worry about danger in the street. I remember a time when I would climb anything. Heights did not bother me at all. When I grew up, my dad ran the bulk plant in Lima, Ohio. So when I was an elementary school kid, dad, my, my neighbor was Sam Quigeni. Sam, Sam was an Italian family, Quigeni. Uh, and so Sam and I, we would do stuff in the summer together. And what we'd do is we'd go to the bulk plant, Texaco bulk plant, Lima, Ohio. You know those great big tanks that, that you see that they store uh, gasoline and, and oil and stuff in? Um, there's, a, there's a ladder that goes all the way around the outside of them. We would climb all the way up the ladder. And then... Back then, they had tanks that had floating lids on them. So you could actually go into them. There was another ladder that, that floated with the lid. And so we would take super balls, 
and we would climb all the way up, and we'd go all the way down inside, and we'd, we'd play all afternoon inside those tanks. Uh, and they're clean because it's rain and stuff like that. And so we would go in and play with that. And then the next day, his parents owned Bush Distributors in Lima, Ohio. So then we would go play on beer kegs and cases in the warehouse all day. That's what we did in the summer. And then we'd play football and stuff like that in the neighborhood and throw fishing line over the electrical lines and all, you know, all kinds of stuff. But anyway, here's what he said. He says, you're going to get to a time where you're fearful of falling. Now, when I get ready to climb up stuff, I'm going, mm, I don't know. I just don't. Before, you know, I, we need to climb up and fix this. We got some things we need to adjust up here on the steeple. There's a time. I would have jumped right up there and ran all the way across the roof and done it. Now I'm like, ooh, I don't know. You know, why? Because you get to a point in age where you're not as confident footing-wise as you used to be in climbing stuff. And he goes on, and he says, and before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom. <laughs> I love the word pictures. It's like, you know, it's going to get white. And, and, and like I said, we have a lot of stuff to fix us today, by the way. We have people that are employed in the hair industry, and believe me, they live for people whose hair turns white and they want it dyed, different colors, you know. And I'm fortunate. I have been married to a brunette, a blonde, a redhead. Um, I love it, huh? Yeah, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I love it, you know. I love it. Because, again, we have ways to fix this stuff, you know. We do laser surgery on the eyes, and we do artificial hips and knees, and you know, we try to extend this out and not make it as painful, but th this is the reality of it. And then he keeps going on. <laughs> I love this. You drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. This is our theme verse for many of us. Okay? If I could just get through today, it's like I'm a dying grasshopper uh, crawling along trying to make it through the day. And he goes on, and the carpet berry no longer inspires sexual desire. He said... You know, he said, all the things that were so exciting and everything in youth, he said, now, he said, everything is just harder. Everything is, is more exhausting. And he said, you don't have the energy that you used to have and all of that. And then he goes on, he says, remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home when mourners will weep at your funeral. <laughs> Solomon, this is what Solomon says to young people. He says, look, this is your future. This is where many of us live, right here. He said, we, <laughs> and you start to realize that it, there are certain things about youth that were really, really great. You know, remember you could sleep anywhere, or, or you, could, uh, you, know, and, you know, you could fall asleep on a floor, in a chair, whatever else. Now, you know, you got to have everything just right, and, and, you know, there's that... How many times do you go on vacation and the first thing you say when you get back is, oh, it's so good to be in my bed? Teenagers don't say that. They, they're just, they sleep anywhere. And like Solomon said, he said, this is where we're all headed. Okay? And then he takes it one step farther. If that's not enough, here's what he says. He now gets to talk about death. So listen to what he says. Yes, remember your creator while you're young. Before the silver cord of life snaps. Uh, many Bible scholars believe that's a reference to our uh, spinal cord. And the golden bowl is broken. That's your brain. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and a pulley is broken at the wall. That's your blood, your blood in your heart. Where it doesn't work anymore. 
Psalm says that's not the time to be thinking about God. You want to think about God way, way, way back at the beginning of life when you're, when, you're, when you're young and you're laying the foundation and all that kind of thing. Because he goes on to say this. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to the God who gave it. He said, there's coming a time that all that stuff starts working and your life is over. That's where we're all headed. Every day that you live is a day closer to the day you die. That's, that's what Solomon says. So, now that you're all encouraged and excited, let's go to what he says about life now. Notice what he said. Verse 8. He talks about this idea where he said, uh, got the next one, guys? Yeah. Everything is meaningless, said the teacher, completely meaningless. Solomon says, look, if you're going to try to find value in the existence of life just on this planet, it's chasing the wind. It's vanity. It's meaningless. You're wasting your time. But notice what Solomon says, because I think this is fascinating. Keep this in mind. The teacher considered wise, and he taught people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. Solomon's talking about himself writing the proverbs. He's saying, I chose those, those, all those threads. He said, I took everything that I knew, and I tried to put it into one place, written down for people. I tried to teach it to people so that they would understand life and, and, and all of its stuff. And he goes on to say, the words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick which a shepherd drives the sheep. He said, I wrote all this stuff down, and when people read it, they don't get excited about it. And he said, it's painful sometimes, and it hurts, and it's hard, and it's difficult. But the thing is, it's made to help them. And he goes on to say this, but my child... Let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. This was a theme for us when we were in college during final exams. <laughs> Became the verse everybody hung on to. Here's what Solomon's saying. He's saying, look, if you don't do something with the knowledge that's in these books, you're wasting your time. James said it this way, you know, don't be a, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Otherwise, you just deceive yourself. It's about applying knowledge. And Solomon said this, and, and, and this is what I want to, I want to take a little rabbit trail for a second. Solomon said this. He said, Solomon said, I looked at my life. Again, he's talking about at the end of his life. And he said, I looked at all, that, all the knowledge and experience and everything that I've acquired, and I decided I'm going to put it down and share it with somebody. I'm going to try to make a difference in other people's lives with the life that I've lived. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think there's a lot to be said for us sharing with the younger generation the experience and wisdom and stuff like that that we have. I think this is an advantage a small church has over a larger church. Because often in the megachurch movement and stuff like that, I'm not, not anti-megachurch. I'm not. I'm a product of it. I'm not, I'm not anti-megachurch. But one of the problems with the megachurch is we, we divide people by groups normally based on ages or characteristics. So what we have is we have like the divorced people are over here, we have the married people over here. We have the people with toddlers are here. The people with newborns are here. The people who, who and we put our kids here, and we, put, and, and we do all of that to try to minister to their needs, and I understand all that. But you want to know one of the big problems that the churches are trying to address now? The big, the big term now is intergenerational ministry because they're realizing that this group doesn't do anything with this group, and yet this group has a lot of benefits to this group, but... 
And this group can benefit this group, but we don't know how to bring them all together because we have them all separated. One of the great things about a small church is we, we are all together in here. Everything from little babies to old people. And we have the whole gamut. And here's what I would say to you, and I'm going to talk about this more next week. But here's what I would say to you. Every one of you, particularly those of you who are older, have a tremendous amount of life experience to share with people who are younger. And some of you are not doing that. And here's the thing. What's sad about that is that generation loses out. You go, well, we don't have kids. No, it's not about who, whether you have kids. Oh, we're not, I'm not married. This, that's not what it's about. It's about connecting with somebody to share your experience with, to let them be a part of your life and you be a part of their lives. It's about finding one kid that every week that you walk in here, you say hi to, and you ask them about their week. And here's what you'll find. You do that enough, you know what will start to happen? They will come to seek you out. I saw this illustrated with my dad. When my dad was my age, actually probably a little younger than me even, my dad every Sunday morning would fill his pockets full of candy. And he would then walk into church, and here's the thing, the only way you could get a piece of candy from him was you had to be old. He never gave it to kids. He gave it to people who were in there, and I want to, he had to older people, Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble here. He gave it to older people. And here's what I found. I'll never forget. I would sit in church as a teenager. We'd sit in church in our row with our family. And I would watch as older people would leave from sitting way over there in that thing, come all the way back to say hi to my dad. They, They couldn't even eat the candy, half of them. They were either diabetic or they had dentures or they couldn't eat it and bad teeth and But it wasn't about that. It was about the idea that somebody thought about them. And I would watch. And so in my world, I was brought up surrounded by older people. And it was a phenomenal opportunity for me as a kid. And and, and like I say, I I think we're missing that. Solomon said, one of the things that I decided, I can take the things that I've learned in life and share it with other people. So I want to encourage you to think about a kid. You go, oh, I've got, so, I got my own kids and my own grandkids and my own this. And I, just add another one. If you've got a bunch of them, you're not going to mess another one anyway. You can just add another one into the mix. And what you'll start to find is you can share with them and help them and become a part of their lives, and they can become a big part of your life. My family is a recipient of this kind of ministry, and I see the value of it. And that's what Solomon said. He said, I, I wrote all these things down. I thought carefully about what I was going to say and how I was going to say it. And I put it all down so that people could learn. And he said, and then he goes on to say, and he said, but my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful. Writing books is endless. Much study wears you out. I, wa- I want you to apply what I'm sharing with you. And then he goes on and he kind of wraps up the, the very ending of it. And here's what he says. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. He said, you want to hear the whole thing? If you're going to take life and you're going to keep God out of the picture, it's, it's worthless. But if you want to bring God into the picture, here's what he says. Fear God and obey his commands, for that's everyone's duty. Want to know the whole thing in a nutshell? Fear God and obey him. Now, most of us, when I say fear God, we have this, this, this issue of um, 
we think of it in terms of like a judge and going in court for a speeding ticket or something like that. I'm going by what people tell me. Um, I, you know, I mean, you know, we, we get fear. We, we have that kind of fear. We think it's that kind of thing. It's, that's not what he's talking about. It's talking about this, this reverential respect. This deference where I walk in and I realize that that person... I, I see this a lot when I judge speech or robotics. And what happens is, um, in speech or robotics, they, they give us a table. And, and, and in, in robotics, there's three of us in, in speech, depending on the thing. It's either one or three of us. And, and when, you're, when you're the single judge, what happens is you sit at that table. And people walk into that room. And it's one of those things where they act differently around you. That room can be total chaos before if I walk in as a judge, all of a sudden it's like there's a different attitude. It's an attitude of respect because they're trying to gain my, my favor, so to speak. Why? Because they don't want me to think that they're an idiot. They don't want me to see them as foolish. They want me to see them, they want me to see their performance. So a lot of times they dress differently, they act differently, they talk differently. That's what we're talking about. There is a, a, a fear, a respect that comes with it. And that's what Solomon's saying. He's saying, look, when, he said, it's not the idea of I'm going to be good because God's going to hit me upside the head. It's the idea of God has done so much for me. I want to honor and respect and, 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 and show him how grateful I am. I'm going to act differently for him. And that's what Solomon says, fear God. Keep his commandments. And then he goes on. He said, God will judge for, oh, no, go back. God will judge for us everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Solomon says, look, you know what? God knows. You're not hiding anything from God. Um, you know, you're not, you're not keeping anything. Uh-oh, like a cell phone. Uh, you're not keeping anything from God, Solomon says. He said, so, when you, when you step back and when you, t- when, you, when you deal with God, he said, deal with God accordingly. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Do what's right. That's what that, 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 you want the whole thing in life? There it is. So a couple takeaways and, and, and we're done. Um, here's the first one. The first one is this. You're getting older. So here's the thing. Because you're getting older, make today count. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you have this day. You go, well, you know, I'm just done. And and here's the thing. Some of you, you, you are so focused on the future, you can't appreciate and value where you are right now. Some of you, you're going to go through this day, and you know what you're going to worry about? You're going to worry about all the stuff that's happened in this week. And you're coming to the end of the day, and you have not enjoyed, appreciated, valued, made today count. All you focused on today is all the stuff that's got to get done next week. Instead of sitting back and going, you know what? I have this moment. I have this day. I'm going to make today count. And some of you get, you get so focused on, on, on the future or the past that you have no concept of being present in the moment. And there's something wrong when we get to that point. Because when we sit back and we can't enjoy the day that we have, folks, something's wrong. And it's been a long time since some of you have been able to sit back and come to the end of the day and go, 
was a good day. I enjoyed today. Because you know as well as I do, tomorrow can turn on a dime. But you have today. You're getting older. All of those things he just talked about, if they're not here, they're coming. And you can't do anything about most of them. Because it's just the aging process. Not to, I'm not saying you'll take care of yourself, but I'm saying just the process is that's what's going to happen. You know as well as I do. A car that's got 200,000 miles on it doesn't run like the car that just came out of the dealership lot with 30 miles on it. The more stuff you put on the car, the more you drive it, you know, it takes abuse over the years. And so do, so do we do too as human beings. That's what Solomon said. But you know what? You have today. You have today. Make it count. Because I don't know if you've got tomorrow and you don't either. And I think so many times that's so, so important. So my wife and I, and we're trying to do this now. When we have those moments, when we can do something, we try to do it. So, you know, she had a deal, you know, Friday night. You know, I texted her Friday afternoon and... and you know, we, we like to try to keep out Friday nights, and, and it's been a kind of a tradition of ours for a long time. And so we didn't have a lot of plans, so I texted her and said, hey, you know, I said, okay, there's, there's only one movie that, that you probably want to see. And she knew me enough to know I didn't want to go see it. It was that Snow White movie thing. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what it's called. But anyway, Huntsman or whatever it was, yeah. So, and she lovingly texted me back and goes, look, I know you really don't want to see this. And I wasn't going to text her back and say, no, I really do, because I would have been lying, and she knew I'd be lying. <laughs> so she said, hey, how about if, she said, I got a deal after school, how about if we meet for supper and invite the kids? Well, you know what that means. That means that my, my evening, which included paying for two people, now turned into paying for six plus one. Uh, so... I said, yeah, we'll invite the kids. Why? Because we had an opportunity to do that. We had the time to do that, to be able to take it and get together as a family. Because here's what I know. Here's what I've observed. As my kids continue on in their life, those times are going to get fewer and fewer between because there's going to be more and more stuff demanding their time. And so I stepped back and said, you know what? Yeah, I'll pay for six people to go out and eat. Why? Because there's going to come a time when I would love to play for six people to go out and eat, but we can't pay for six people to go out and eat because schedules don't, don't allow it. You make the day count. And when you have those opportunities, embrace it. Second idea that he has here is this idea of, look, obey it. I mean, it, it, it's not really that hard. You obey the word of God or you don't. If you really want to please God with your life, again, why did he write this book? He wrote this book to keep us he healthy. He wrote this book because it's the best way to live. Solomon wrote all the Proverbs because they're the smartest thing to do if you're going to live life smart. And we read it and go, well, you know, that's just too hard, or I'm not going to do that, or I don't want to do And Solomon's going, look, just obey it, you know? Don't just keep studying and studying and studying it. Do something about what you're learning and what you're hearing. You know, and that's the thing I love about this church. I can preach very, very hard, and people will actually come back and go, I didn't like that, but I'm going to go try it. 
And I get people who are going, you know what, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go, I'm going to go try to pay it forward. I'm going to go try to do this kind of thing for something. You saw just a simple thing, just a simple thing. Somebody walking up going, you know, I'll buy your groceries. It's a simple thing. It's nothing huge or profound. And you go, well, I don't, you know, what if they're buying a lot of groceries? Then go find somebody who's not buying a lot of groceries and pay for theirs. <laughs> Come on, it's not brain surgery. Go to the line with only 12, you know, with only 12 items and pay for theirs. Now, don't get behind a person with 12 items that can't count and it's got 50 items because that'll tick you off. But just pay for it. You like say, well, how hard is that? How hard is it to go through and, and you get a cup of coffee and you say, I'm going to buy the one behind me? Or to leave a really generous tip. I mean, how hard is some of that stuff? And yet it makes a world of difference for people. And, and that's, that's what I'm trying to get across is this idea of, look, take the word of God, live it out, apply it, do it. And it will be such a better life for all of us. And you know who will be the benefit of it? You will. You will. Because I guarantee you, the person who did that for Brittany, when they got a letter a couple weeks later, started to realize the impact of what they really had done. All they were doing is buying groceries. No, no, no. That's not what they were doing. They were impacting a life. They were impacting a life. And you and I get the opportunity to do that every single day. Day with somebody that we can be a blessing to. Take the word of God, make it a part of your life. Work it out, make it real. And then the last thing is this. We talked about this in Sunday school. Is God the focus or are you? Psalm said, let's hear the conclusion of the whole thing. Fear God. It's about God. Here's a couple questions. I love one of the writers that I wrote, read this week. He said, do you ask what does God say, or what do people say? Do you seek counsel from godly people, or only people who agree with you? Do you seek to glorify God, or try to hide your actions from God and his people? You know, I, I don't get that. No, let me, let me help you with that one. Is there like a side of you that you don't want church people to know about? I mean, we all have issues and struggles, but I'm saying, is there like a whole other side of your life? I don't want anybody to know that I do that. I don't want anybody at church to know I do that. Here's, a, here's just a hint. Then you probably need to change that. Not because of what those people think, but there's a reason those people don't look upon, well upon it. Probably because the Bible doesn't look well upon it. And it's probably something you need to step back and go, maybe I ought to change that. Where, you know, are, are you more concerned about that? Do you focus on God wants you to do or what other people want you to do? And we talk about peer pressure in teenagers, but the reality of it is, kids, I don't want to discourage you, but here's the thing. This is about the easiest peer pressure you're ever going to face. Because as you get to be an adult, it gets a lot harder. And if you don't believe that, talk to any young parent who has a lot of people pressuring them to raise their kids a certain way or to say a certain thing or do a certain thing. And it's just crazy because everybody has an opinion on it. But here's what you do. You step back and you say, what does God say about how to raise kids? And that's what we're going to do. What does God say about the cultural issues of our day? 
Not, not what's culture say, not what's the politically correct thing to say, not what is the media saying that we should. No, 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 no. Let's step back and say, what does the Bible say? And we're in a culture where we have soft-pedaled a lot of stuff today, and it's not right. And we just need to get back to, you know what, this is what I believe. And I believe this because the Bible says this. And I understand you may disagree with me, and that's okay. I understand you may think I'm bigoted or whatever term you want to use for me. That's okay. But I love you, and I appreciate you, and you have your valid point, but this is what I believe the Bible teaches, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Because we are supposed to be followers of Christ. And if God wrote the Bible, we're also followers of the book. And I just want to challenge you because... Solomon here comes down to this thing and he says, look, make your life count. It's not about you. It's about serving God with your life. And we've got to get back to that. And we've got to let, as, as the New Testament says, we have to let Christ be seen in us. Paul said it this way, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And people have to see Christ in us. They're not going to see it if we make life all about us. So, I close with this. Solomon describes life very accurately and reminds us that we are all getting old. Young people need to focus on God while they're young. Older folks need to teach what they have learned to younger people. We are all together in this thing called life. We have to keep our focus on God. And we've got to do what he wants us to do. Let's pray. Lord, help us. It's easy to get caught up in our culture. It's easy to get caught up in the issues of our day. It's easy to focus on all the things on our to-do list. But the reality of it is, Lord, each one of us has today. We have this moment. We have this time. We have this period of life. So help us to invest in things that are important. Use us so that people can see Christ in us. And Lord, help us to do what we know we should do and to truly, genuinely obey you with our whole heart. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together and we're going to sing.